0: Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, consider joining my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of your favorite sex toy shops at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. To all my friends out there in a long distance relationship, are you feeling disconnected from your boo? Wish they could bring you pleasure in person if FaceTime sex just isn't cutting it? Well, thank goodness for Clona Willy. Clona Willy makes DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a high quality, 100% body safe sex toy so you can stay connected no matter where you are. Use promo code SEXED with DB20 for 20% off at clonawilly.com. If you're like me, it's important to choose a toy with body-safe materials and a proven orgasmic track record. Fun Factory pioneered body-safe toys and has a serious cult following of vibrator enthusiasts. Honestly, you can't beat their medical-grade silicone toys. Not only are they long-lasting, they're also designed by German engineers for serious motor power. Ready for an ubergasm? Use discount code SEXED with DB for 15% off your new favorite Fun Factory toy. Here are my top three favorite things I love about UberLube. Number one, UberLube makes sex feel a lot more pleasurable. It's as simple yet as powerful as that. Number two, UberLube is recommended by leading doctors, and its body friendly ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to lubricants. And number three, UberLube will not stain clothing or bedding. Any spills can be easily cleaned with detergent and water. Get your bottle of UberLube now with code SexEdWithDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Good afternoon, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going?
1: Good. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. I've also been looking forward to it (laughs) since I watched your film a couple days ago and was very, very excited. Um, It is super fun and we're going to get all into it. Uh, But let's get us started. Why don't you tell us who you are and just a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah. So uh, I am a science and health reporter by trade. And uh, for many reasons, I've kind of been drawn to stories about sex, sex education. And uh, yes, uh, this has been a, uh, you know, we started in 2014, uh, finished in 2021, kind of seven year journey of me putting together a sex education documentary of me trying to finally get a a good comprehensive sex education at 36 years old, uh, no matter how, uh, you know, awkward or torturous that may be.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Awkward, torturous, exciting, weird, yes, uh, fascinating. <laughs> so many, so many things. So you're a science reporter and w- tell me a little bit more about like where you've worked and what you've reported on.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've had a, a, a little a few lifetime uh, careers. Um in my lifetime, it's, it's been a uh, – I started out as a molecular toxicologist uh, doing work in, in biotech, doing cancer drugs. Um, but I found I, I enjoyed doing the presentations about the work much more than I actually enjoyed doing the work. Uh, and, and I think I've always been drawn to science and health because that's like the only arena in the 90s and 2000s that would gave me any sense of security that who I was as a person, as a queer man, wasn't totally normal. It was totally within the normal range of human diversity. And so understanding that, understanding how to, you know, analyze data, understand the world, and and realizing very early on that a lot of the good sex research, sex education has been out there for decades. It just doesn't get into schools. And And thinking like, okay, well... You know, rather than you know, scream into the abyss. What do I do about it? And science reporting kind of became that outlet. Um, yeah, so so I, I I was doing a lot of reporting, mostly around the Obamacare stuff. You know, I was doing a lot of health reporting and that policy reporting, and I was pitching tons of stories about. Um, I want to do more about sex, education. You know, why this is important? Contraception, all this stuff. And and a lot of the stories I was pitching, for good reason, I think in the retrospect, um, were not being taken by my editors because they were telling me, you know this is something what you're doing is interesting. It's, 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 it's more educational. We need a story. We need something viewers can hook onto. We need, we need some, a little more meat and, and, uh, kind of as a, as uh, you know, a middle finger to them in many ways, I, I decided to do, I'll, I'll do it myself. I'll, I'll raise the money. I'll do get these interviews and do these document get to do documentary. And then, you know, lo and behold, you know, 18 months later, I'm editing. I'm like, Oh, this isn't, this doesn't fit together. There's no story.
0: Yeah.
1: I need something more. Uh, and, and so that was the kind of the process I started to go into around, uh, do I, act, how, how, first of all, is it even possible for me to be an objective observer in a documentary? You know, my, my training is to be that objective, you know, fly on the wall observer to help people process information. But ultimately what I wanted to do is it, it, it harkens back to that deep kind of anger and shame I have felt for my entire life. Um, and so I think the only way I felt understood how to unlock the story and get people to go on a journey where maybe they confront some shames that they've never confronted before was to be open and personal about mine. Uh, but that was also a big reason why it took so long to make.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. Also, your work on like Obamacare or like policy, like mm-hmm. also very much is like. A part of this whole conversation around sex mm-hmm. ed and sexual health and healthcare, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that certainly uh, belongs, I should yeah. say. I think it's like all encompassing. So I'm yeah. very appreciative of that work that you thanks, did as well. Yeah. Um, and I'd love you, you know, you spoke a little bit about, you know, sex ed in schools. And as you probably know, that's a big topic of conversation here yes. at Sex Ed with DB. Yes. We talk <laughs> a lot. We use a lot of those Guttmacher stats that you put in your mm-hmm. documentary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, like, what, you know, you mentioned that you mostly grew up in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, curious what your sex ed was like. Like, did you receive any info that was maybe culturally relevant or like took into consideration your queer or Asian American identities? Like, what was that like for you?
1: Uh, so the short answer is no, I did not <laughs> okay. get that education. And I think, you know, um, in the 90s and 2000s, the kind of mandate around what well, what is called sex education but it's really not sex education it's like pregnancy and disease avoidance education yes um or abstinence right exactly uh is t- it was to prevent teen pregnancy and prevent hiv aids and hiv aids was like the big fear at the time so that's the only that's like my first introduction like i didn't understand how you how man on man sex could what would what, what lead to uh, higher hiv construction i just knew that it was somehow like this horrible risky behavior that would definitely lead to hiv right so so that was the kind of the only you know, introduction i had to to kind of you know non-heterosexual sex and so so yeah and and of course like no discussion of race no discussion of of, of even really gender other than like women had to be more careful or kind of these horrible kind of retrograde ideas um but yeah i, I uh, i'm glad california's changed a lot but but when i was was going through school it, it definitely was was uh, pretty rough yeah
0: yeah. And and as you mentioned just now, California has changed. There is, you know, the California, I think it's called like the Healthy Youth Act or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. where California is definitely one of the states who is mandating comprehensive mm-hmm. sex education. Mm-hmm. It, it is changing. And at the same time. It's not for many other states. We yes. know that like over two billion dollars thus far has gone to abstinence only mm-hmm. uh, until marriage education mm-hmm. federally mm-hmm. funded mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the way, uh, from the government mm-hmm. and that's terrible. There's so much science and data that show that abstinence only education does not work, and right. in addition to that is actively harmful right so uh. <laughs> With that, let's get into your film. Okay, uh, a explanation. Um, as I mentioned, I watched it. thought it was really wonderful. I thought there were a lot of really fun and unique pieces and themes that, you know, I hadn't really even thought of before or oh, seen wow. as that, a sex educator. That's great to hear, yeah. And, you know, I've been doing this work for over five years mm-hmm. in this field. Um, and so, I'm can you for the listeners who haven't heard of it, give me like you know a little one liner like what is this film about um and why you decided to go on this journey? you kind of mentioned a little bit about your upbringing, but I'm curious if there was like an aha moment or something specific that made you wanna go on this journey
1: totally yeah, so I think that the 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 log line is basically you know uh I'm trying To get a comprehensive sex education for the first time in my life in my 30s, so I traveled the U.S. and Canada talking to philosophers, educators, politicians, priests, even my own parents, uh, to try to understand, uh, you know, my deepest, darkest shames, fears, and desires, and, and how do we express that help in a healthy way. Um, and, and I think, I think, you know, when I when why I decided to do this, I think for so much of my, you know, since puberty to maybe 30, I was the the best way I can describe my life is just angry. I I was so angry at what I had to go through unnecessarily, what my family had to go through, how ill prepared we were to really process uh, what should be one of the most beautiful life affirming things of being a human. And for a long time, I, I, I projected that anger outwards in terms of being politically active in terms of my reporting in terms of um really how i treated other family members and the people i disagreed with um uh, by the time i got into my 30s and and after some amazing cognitive behavioral therapists uh, uh, uh basically i realized that anger was really a cover for some deep deep shames i still felt about who i was and, and about my body and how i how i want how i live my sexuality how how i express myself and and so i think the movie ended up being like actually delving Deep as deep as possible, my own personal subjective story of the all the shames I have, and and how do you actually let that go? How do you actually do that? Because it's so difficult. And I wanted it to to be a a way to showcase, like you know, it's 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 a long journey. It's very difficult, awkward, you know, torturous in many ways emotionally. But but if you can work at it every day, it's an everyday thing. I think um, that the payoffs are just uh, beyond uh, imagined. So that's kind of a uh, through this process, what 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 I learned?
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that takes guts to say, like, "Hey, this was kind of my way in which I'm like processing my shame and my mm-hmm. grief about my life." And I really relate with you when it comes to kind of like confronting your parents on <laughs> yes. those things, and like doing it in a kind and gentle way, but kind of like holding parents accountable for like their missteps with Mm -hmm. parenting because i i'm not a parent yet i hope to have kids at some point in my life within the next like you know couple years but i can only imagine what parents went through and go through in Mm -hmm. order to have those challenging conversations with their kids and like it is their responsibility to like fix themselves and like (laughs) learn how to uh approach that with their kids so i think yeah, tell me a little bit more about like those conversations with your parents, and if you felt like you got out of them, like what you were seeking.
1: I think for the most part, yeah. I mean, a parent-child relationship will always be incredibly complicated, full of always having to assert and reassert boundaries and 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 uh, kind of communication. And so, I think the the one thing you know, when when it comes to my parents, I think if you were to ask me ten years ago. There would have been so much blame and anger still there about why uh, they didn't do the thing, the 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 very, in many ways, in my mind, I'm thinking at the time, simple things that they could have done to just release a lot of of shame and suffering. Um, but I have to give my parents a lot of credit. You know, when I came out of the closet at 17, um, my dad's reaction was uh, what I remember is that he was very open to the fact that. He found the idea of two men being intimate kind of viscerally disgusting, um, but that that I should never let that interfere with my own personal happiness. That he would do everything he could to try to work through that. That he would find he and he. I mean, I, I, to his credit, he did do the work. He he put me into therapy. He found local gay people. He sat with them and heard their stories. And he went to gay prides with me. He fell asleep through numerous indie gay movies. You know, he did, he did all the work that, that I think, um, I, I just feel so fortunate for. You know, it took, us twenty years, you know, to get to this point of where he, they, we could have this conversation in the film, and and in a way we almost needed like the veneer of the film of like it being around work to have the conversation. Like you, right. had, you, you, we couldn't have that it's conversation. Like, I'm
0: getting paid for this. Guy. Exactly,
1: it couldn't be, it couldn't be a, a direct conversation. We needed that that filter in many ways still. um But I think you know to their testament. Um, you know, my mom has now been in more gay pride parades than I have. I mean, I mean, they've, they've been, fantastic. yeah, they've, they've, they've really shown up for me in ways. And I don't want it to paint this as like, you know, all puppies and rainbows. I mean, there was shouting my matches, you know, screaming, you know, f- you know, crying, you know, like, you know, silence for months. You know, it, it was, it was a very difficult process and flows, yes, for, sure. for us to get there. Um, But we, and when it counted and when it mattered, you know, it, we, we showed up for each other and, and worked through a lot of this. So, so I think. By the time I I was making this documentary and I was like, I want to film conversations between us, you know, we had done that work where my dad now understood, like, even if he didn't fully understand, he understood that, like, my happiness, he could just see, you know, my happiness was dependent on me understanding this and processing this and maybe helping other people through this. Uh, And and so that's been just such a joy to, 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 you know, and, and it took, you know, lots of therapy, seven years of talking to experts for us to have that final conversation in the film. Where I, I ask all my questions and 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 uh, reveal all the shames that I, that I have been scared to talk about and and so I've just been overjoyed that that they uh, were willing to meet me at that moment and be present there yeah
0: yeah that's really powerful and also just like very hard to hear from an outside perspective like the idea that yeah yes like we're giving your dad a lot of credit and where credit is due and like for him to say out loud like i genuinely find this disgusting Mm -hmm. is very damaging like Mm -hmm. just to even hear that and i do not identify as gay oh
1: yeah
0: and i think like we at least i'll speak for myself in like my brooklyn bubble and Mm -hmm. in my like liberal bubble um you forget that like most other parts of the country and the world are very much indoctrinated into this idea that like this is a very, the America is the most religious country in the world, like very, very in terms of like Christian and Christianity and the way in mm-hmm. which that we uh, go-, go through our thoughts and feelings around religion and how we act on them. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much to be unpacked there. And like starting with our parents is like a really powerful <laughs> place to start. Yeah. I I mean, I'll just like share a little bit about my dad really quickly. My dad was born and raised in Afghanistan mm. and we're Afghani Jews and he moved to Israel when he was like a teenager and then to America when he was in his late 20s. Wow. And so he um definitely like didn't understand how to like have talks with me about my period. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. that was not something that him and his like mom, who had eight children in Afghanistan, were like actively talking about. It was mm-hmm. like not normalized, similar to here in America. And so I've had him on my podcast. Um, My mom is an OBGYN and I've had her on every season and her and I have had some serious conversations around the way in which that I felt supported and shamed by her Mm. and uh just that she's like my number one role model in this field and I still have some things to say (laughs) about the way (laughs) in which I felt as a child it's
1: so complicated yeah
0: and so I really related to those parts of the film (laughs) um so thank you for like making that uh so public and like so normalized. Oh. I think that was really fantastic.
1: Oh, thank you. And I, and I could say the same for you. I mean, I mean, to have these conversations in public, um, especially with immigrant parents, too, it, I think it's it's it uh, it's something I, I I love to see and want to see more of.
0: Yeah, for sure. You kind of mentioned this, but you really had conversations with like a wide range of people. Right. It was like, psychologists researchers priests porn hub data scientists like so many different people here Mm -hmm. um you like had an mri done of like you jerking off in an mri machine to see what would happen to your brain yeah i was like oh shit he's really jerking off that mri machine holy fuck that's awesome but like tell me about what was maybe surprising for you or like what in the moment you like really remember throughout obviously seven years is a very long time to be making something. So I'm sure there were lots of learnings and phases of kind of like understandings about yourself and about like the world of sexuality and sexual health. But give me a couple of your insights here.
1: Yeah. So I think that the, honestly, the interview in the film where I, I think of my life before the interview and my life after uh, there's two, but the one that really sticks out, uh, the, the the one that was great was with Kristen Gilbert. She's a she's a nurse in in uh, Vancouver who's like amazing sex educator. She gives an amazing definition of sex and sexuality. I mean, the room was like in, in tears after that interview. It, her definition has just changed how I see things. But the, the one that really maybe stuck me on a more emotionally personal level was was my interview with a Father Denal Godfrey. Uh, he's a Catholic priest. um, and you know, my family comes. We were raised Catholic, and I I just have to believe. I just don't see on the way that, that the damage the Catholic Church has done to so many families when it comes to matters of, of sexuality is just unforgivable in many ways. You know, and so I, I avoided it for a long time. But I knew that had to be a part of the story. If I was going to tell my own story, I had I had to talk to someone in the church. Um, and for good, and a lot of people, you know, and then the conversation I had with him, in which he not only admits how damaging the church has been uh, to women, sexual minorities, ah, uh, but describes how he wishes the church would be upfront and meeting people around what sex actually provides. It actually provides just like intimate, pleasurable connections, the connections and relationships that that define our lives. The relationships we'll remember on our deathbed, the relationships that that um, make life worth living. This, there is there is an actual if, if you if you peel back the institutional layers and you peel back the politics and you peel back the power and control, there is actually a message uh, when it comes to Christianity around loving people uh, that we that 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 is valid and and there's a spirituality to sex that I had so long ignored. You know, I think I because I was so angry at the Catholic Church. I shut off any conversations around that in my own my own mind. Um, so so talking with that was just I mean his definition is is just so beautiful in terms of how he sees sex as as a wide continuum, uh, much more encompassing than intercourse or genital connection or, or, or even physical connection. Um, that that is something that is is something that that I think um, you know if if only every Catholic priest was like him, I think the world would be just such a more better beautiful peaceful place.
0: Yeah, I was also really struck by that conversation in the film and like using my own biases to kind of like let down my guard a little bit, um, I think, as a Jew who like (laughs) isn't really exposed to these messages in my faith. Although there, were, there are plenty of other harmful messages in, like, the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, that was kind of my, like, moment of coming to this field was I was in Israel for a year teaching English. And oh. my teaching cohort went to, like, a really religious community. And the super Orthodox rabbi was, like, basically just sharing super sexist traditions in his huh. community. And I was like, fuck that. That's really <laughs> harmful. And you're just, like, acting like that's totally normal. So, like... All that is to say, these harmful ideas and messages around sexuality exist across uh, religions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that like conversation, though, with that priest, like allowed me to kind of like let down my guard a little and be like, oh, wow. Like, I think it's important for people to give leaders in faith a chance if they are people who are promoting lgbtq acceptance or like having a more open view on sexuality um i think also there was like a queer pastor on an episode of queer eye that i was like (laughs) oh that's cool we should also (laughs) consider like queer people who are leaders in their faith yeah communities um can i bring up that conversation that you had with that politician right quick about uh, about porn yeah yeah (laughs) I l- OK, can you describe it first yeah. for people listening?
1: So so a uh, state senator, Todd Weiler uh, of Utah. Uh, Republican. He's, yes, Republican. Um, he is the first uh, legislator to get an anti uh, basically declare porn as a public health crisis in any state in the U.S. Um, and, and so um, because I think the porn is actually the the biggest section we devote to the, the movie, because I think. That's one of the things, at least in my personal experience, that's the only thing I could turn to, to see the depictions I wanted to see of men having sex with men. How does this actually work? Um, and, and to me, that kind of the way he was describing it, I think, just compounds the shame people have that like even this thing that that maybe is their only outlet to understand this sex, especially when there's only absence, only education. No one's talking about it in their community, especially in Utah, um, that they're now just like cutting off the last thing that maybe can give them some sort of, um, you know, uh, you know release in many ways um so so i t- i spoke to him uh about why i thought his 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 stance uh was harmful that i that i understood maybe uh, on a certain level that we had the same goal which is like making sure kids get the right information and and porn is problematic in many ways i wouldn't say porn is problematic inherently just the way it's produced and kind of like the way hollywood is problematic porn is problematic in the same ways um but movies aren't inherently bad, right? Um. Uh, so so we we kind of had a, a dialogue around, you know, why I thought that was bad. And I, I will say if I had had that interview even a year earlier, it would have been a completely bad faith. Like I would have gone there with the intent to destroy him. I would have gone there with the intent to let him know how he's, destro- he's just probably perpetuating shames that uh, have destroyed, you know, millions of people's lives before. And now he's continuing it. Um. But I think through this process, I've really learned that politically, and I'm not talking morally or spiritually or ethically. Politically, if if the the only way we can ever come to any kind of if what I want is to be heard and listened to and loved non-judgmentally, even if you disagree with me, um, it, it is hypocritical of me to go into interaction and and not uh, at least initially uh, uh, providing the same thing, right? I, I think. If we want to have dialogue, you know, rather than, you know, contentious debate, um, you kinda of have to approach that 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 interview in that way and and um, you know, and, and try as much as possible to find the humanity, which is so difficult. It's so difficult.
0: Sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and, and so that was a conversation where um I came out um thinking, you know, like if he was my neighbor, I bet he would be an amazing neighbor. You know, I bet he'd be a great person to live next to, even though our our beliefs are—I'm very, very as a human being, you know—not necessarily the politics or policies. You know, I would never vote for him, but but I think um, that was a that that's a, that is a conversation I'm still kind of grappling with and processing in many ways in terms of how do I how do I treat other people and do I treat them the way that that I wish they treated me?
0: Are you falling into a pattern with your partner, looking to spice things up but aren't sure how? Exit the ordinary with Lions Den. Lion's Den has hundreds of your favorite brands to help you and your partner reconnect or try something new. From novices to dungeon masters, there are products for every comfort level. With 50 plus years in business, Lion's Den is here to help. Can't make it to a local store? Shop online and chat with a customer service team member while you shop. Lion's Den offers our listeners 15% off in-store and online using code sexed with DB. Excitement. Intimacy. Anticipation. Contentment. UberLube lets you feel all the things you want to feel when it comes to sex with yourself and with a partner. It makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Recommended by leading doctors, UberLube is body friendly, free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. Plus, UberLube is latex compatible, so it's safe, effective, and pleasurable to use with condoms. Try UberLube now with code SexHead with DB for 15% off at uberlube.com. What does self-love mean to you? To me, self-love is recognizing my needs and desires and making time to experience pleasure. That's what Satisfiers is all about. Satisfiers is committed to helping everyone unlock their full sexual potential, eliminating shame and demonstrating all the health benefits associated with sexual pleasure. The Satisfier Connect app pairs with their amazing toys so you can discover your personal pleasure preferences in real time. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 30% off at us.satisfier.com. Yeah. Really good points. Um, one, I think that's a skill to be able to approach someone who you fundamentally disagree with and like, it's a, it it's a lot of work.
1: It's a emo- lot of exhausting,
0: emotional labor, yeah, very um, with, like, exhausting. open arms and an open mind. So like, I commend you for that. And I don't think that you were like being pushy in any way as like a viewer who probably shares your politics. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, And as you mentioned, right, like, I want to get into the context of this conversation. Like, he declared porn as a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. He was basically saying that, like, he does not watch porn. Porn is unrealistic. He then goes on to say that he, quote, like, loves seeing his wife's naked body, unquote. I was like, okay, kind of a weird thing to add. Um, But essentially, his whole thing was that, like, porn is harmful Like, kids get access to porn and, like, the issue then is, like, the porn and not necessarily Mm -hmm. sharing with students the difference between porn and real life sex. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, this is something that I really want our listeners who are listening now to grapple with is, like, this is not only a Republican, like, uh, fear. This also exists in liberal spaces. Oh, yeah. Fear from parents. Of their kids getting access to porn and shutting down the entire conversation, regardless of if you're going to give a kid porn literacy, Mm -hmm. hence to be able to differentiate. Like I um, do one off kind of like health weeks and teach sex ed in middle school and high school. And like I was just teaching sex ed in a private Brooklyn liberal middle school. And we sent a survey out to the parents being like, hey, what do you what do you want to talk to us about? And what are you curious about? And like what are your concerns and most of the parents were like this is fantastic thank you so much for doing this so i don't want to you know dehighlight the importance of the supportive parents mm-hmm. And yet there were a minority of a couple parents who were very loud and wrote paragraphs about if you talk about porn, I'm pulling my kid out. There's porn is human trafficking, like, like a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. around porn, the people mm-hmm. who do it, the consent around porn, mm-hmm. the fact that there is ethical porn. Like there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of issue that I take as a sex educator with parents who know absolutely and people who know absolutely nothing about the subject and feel like because of their own internal shame and fucked up notions that they have with porn and the fact that they like fetishes and they like porn, they (laughs) push that shit on other people and it drives me bananas. Oh, yeah. And I can't handle senators and politicians and people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, don't you... It just how do how do you feel the way i feel and if you uh, yeah. do how do you handle yourself <laughs> when you talk to people
1: like I, that I, I don't know if i handle myself the best <laughs> um but but i would say you know uh i think this is worth having a, like a long discussion about because i think at our, at our core we have to be clear like we as a species have been drawing like exaggerated versions of fucking you know on cave walls since yes. since our
0: the beginning of the time. beginning
1: right this is of our who, time this is who we are as a species we enjoy um you know extreme you know taboo controversial depictions of sex it, it is pleasurable and enjoyable and inherently that that is that is nothing to be ashamed of you know that is that is just who we are we, you enjoy you know murder shows you enjoy you know, like superhero movies, you enjoy race, you know, all these extreme taboo kind of like violent things. You know, this is just, you know, for a long time, I, I did separate porn, like, like somehow it wasn't part of like the media landscape, but it's, it's a very big part of our media. I mean, it's the media I consume probably every day, most- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and to think of it like differently is kind of weird, you know, and I think there are very valid points around how porn is produced, the business practices around porn, how performers are treated, um, you know the ethnic body diversity, the 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 you know how how uh, you know gender is portrayed, how how sex just should look, you know, or but 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 the answer um, just just has to be just like you know if a, a romantic comedy from the nineteen sixties is just almost it's, it's like you can't watch it because of the the messages it it shows about how love should be uh or or you know race should look or all these things porn needs to go through that same reckoning sure but let's let's have the conversation there let's let's not teach people that this thing that you can't help but enjoy and love and provides meaning and pleasure and you know beauty in your life is somehow wrong and i think um you know if protecting kids is the goal you know um i was in a family that was anti-porn and i still found it you know so the answer kids
0: are finding it that's yeah, the thing is that's like,
1: the thing yeah you, you can't shield your kid um, from porn for the rest of their life and if they get into adulthood having very negative shameful feelings about it they'll just it'll just come out in even worse possible ways it's it's hard again to get past i think what is to my mind, some sort of unprocessed trauma for a lot of these parents, it's just triggering, and they can't they can't see a reason. and I get that right. Um but to to be clear for the people who maybe just it it shocks them because it seems so, you know, new and, and and scary. Um, but there are, I think, enough people that if you explain it to them in those ways, they get it and and as long as you're very clear, Um, that, that, that the point is, is not to like show kids porn or teach kids porn, which is how it's often framed. And it's just easy to fear monger because of the ignorance in our culture. Um, that, that it really is to help parents have these conversations that are so difficult and to help parents like, like get their kids to understand, like, just like you don't see people flying in the street or, or like, if someone were to be a vigilante like Batman, it would, they would be easily, quickly killed probably. <laughs> you know, porn is the same thing. You know, what, what you see there is athlete level editing and, and – They're professional. Yeah, professional. It, it's not a realistic portrayal and and kids are so easy to quickly – just that simple framing I think would just go a huge way to help people, especially kids who are who are so scared and terrified and uh, making the sex thing go well. Um, that that oh okay porn is just not some a way I should think about this at all but but because no one's talking about it that's the only thing they have to hold on to.
0: And let's talk about the stats really quickly. When it comes to at what age young people are exposed to porn, this is according to Bloom Science, um, a really awesome organization that does age-appropriate sex ed for kids. And what we do know is that more than one in four of our kids has already seen hardcore porn online by the age of eleven. And that number goes up to two in three kids by the age of 15. That's a majority of kids that will have been exposed to some corn some some corn, <laughs> some corn, uh, some kind of hardcore porn by the age of 15. 15, you're usually like in ninth grade or something, mm-hmm. like maybe 10th grade. Like this, you know, senator in the documentary was like, Well, when they're 18, they can go nuts. They can watch as much porn as they want. It's like, that's actually not the right way to do that. Like, you want to let kids know the information, the facts, age appropriately. That doesn't mean you're showing it to them. That just means that you're sharing with them what they might see and hear and feel and give them space and time to reflect on that. I just think that's such a critical piece here. Um, and totally. you covered it a lot, as as you mentioned, in the documentary. So I wanted to make sure we got to it.
1: Oh, yeah. and And I think that you were going to bring up an amazing point that, like, the, that the kind of what what often is framed as like the moderate center right position is like at eighteen kids can go nuts yeah but but if your whole life from birth to eighteen has been like no 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 negative 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 stop 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 absence absence and then you how can you expect kids to flip a switch right. to then be like all of a sudden like sexually free and uh, you know of course not they're going to be damaged from all that and and entering those relationships uh with 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 really just uh ignorance is, is just is just so much more harmful in the long run
0: absolutely yeah um let's talk a little bit about what i maybe thought was kind of missing mm. in the documentary and i'm sure you know as a reporter you know that you can't get every angle covered in one documentary but i do think it's important to to kind of note you know i really appreciated your approach to comprehensive sex ed, porn literacy, queer experiences, right? Like I think all of these things were covered super well. Shame, um, you know, really approaching and figuring out like what feels good for people in their bodies, masturbation. Um, but you know, I I did feel like there were some important highlights of sexual health and sexuality missing. And like a couple of those might be the asexuality spectrum, maybe how body image plays into sex, BIPOC expert perspectives and sex and disability. Those were like some things that were coming up for me while watching this movie. And I'm curious how you feel about these really critical perspectives. And if you have any thoughts on those things now, it's a long list. So feel free to pick what you, what you want.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, uh, I say over and over again, this is uh, as a as a first time featured documentary filmmaker. It's been like an amazing education on how not to make a documentary. you You make every mistake possible. Um and I think the other thing is is, you know, with a topic as broad as sex, you know, or maybe like twenty percent of the interviews we did made it into the film, you know you have to make some brutal compromises and cuts uh, to keep an audience engaged, to hit a time limit that that you want. and and, um, you know, I, I you know, the, for example, the, the one of the most brutal cuts that that we made. Uh, we spent the day at the Lion Martin Healthcare Center, which is a like um, it's a free clinic in San Francisco, uh, but it only serves trans trans people, and and the healthcare professionals are also all trans. So it's like this beautiful place where you can, or you know, it's such a rare play, thing to have in in the world, and and so we spent a day with them, talked to a lot of the the the. the healthcare providers there. And, and it became very clear very quickly as we started editing, you know, you know, gosh, people are so far behind in their understanding of sex and sexuality. To do this topic justice, to get people to really to the emotional place where they empathize with what's going on. You know, each one of our interviews is three minutes in the film, you know, so you just can't do that topic justice. You know, you know, we we say like, gosh, we wish you know, if we're gonna, if we ever get the 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 privilege to make another another movie, queer kink will have to be the sequel because we talked to so many queer researchers, kink researchers, asexuality researchers. Morag Yule, who who is in the movie for maybe three seconds, she's an asexuality researcher out of Toronto who's doing just. I mean, it totally, you know, I I think I thought of asexuality at the time as like, it's almost like you know like a dim light in which there are like you know like have a shade of of the full expression of sexuality that they're somehow repressed or you know it's like it's like a, but no that, that's like such a such an ignorant perspective to come at that that sexuality is so much more than just you know you might not want to have intercourse but that doesn't mean you don't have like a full range of human connections and relationships that you want to have you know that really changed my mind or changed my perspective on so many things talking to her you know um you know and especially as like a queer Asian man, like like I wish we could have talked so much more about race and and body, because like you know I, I mean I I fully the, the you know I've I've rarely seen myself represented in, on the screen like, like like I would like to, and definitely not as a full three dimensional sexual being, uh, and 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 the issues I have with myself around um, how Asian men are presented in Western media, you know it was it was a whole direction we took we, we we took things, but but again that that takes. You know, I, I'm not for better or worse. The decisions we made, we made, you know, for to tell kind of the uh, simplest, cleanest story about about one aspect of, of my sexual journey, specifically right. around with my parents. Right. Um, um, I mean, we do. I mean, I, 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 I feel you know, we, we do have we do have some. Uh, BIPOC people in in the film. Uh Lord Beti- uh, Lori Batito, she she's an Arab woman, uh uh Sophia Garza, uh Latina woman. But but yeah, I mean some of the people I wish we could have included. Um I I mean uh, all I'll say is like in the future I, I think t- spending the time to really think through these issues maybe more more thoroughly is something that, that I that one thing one lesson I, I really have learned. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and this isn't really, you know, not to like challenge you or to, you know, no, say, no, I, oh, I, you did this I, bad or whatever.
1: No, I, I think it's important. I, I, I you know, it's, 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 um, it's a really, you know, it's it, tricky. It, it's tricky. It's so difficult, and 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 I, you know, I, I just hope I get to do more of this to show that you know there, there's so many more aspects. You know, to this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Totally. And I I really appreciate this idea of like, oh, you know, like maybe in the next one or like maybe there's other opportunities to cover those things. Maybe it's like an Instagram live with like an asexual, Mm -hmm. you know, educator. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there are different ways I feel in order to engage with these kinds of things. I think me and my position of like hosting this podcast, I think a lot about like, okay, well, By doing, by choosing X, who am I going to uh, upset, you know, or, or who am I missing? What, like, what ideas or what perspectives am I, like, really not considering in in my own, like, cis, white presenting mixed race, like, Mm -hmm. presentation and in my experience. And I just think that we as a collective are getting better in, like, really taking deep consideration Mm -hmm. into like what exactly is missing here and how we can approach that.
1: Yeah. One thing I do, I I am very, I'll say proud of, you know, I I think, you know, one of the, one of the tropes uh, that, especially around specifically Asian immigrant families, I think uh, you get this idea of, and I'm not saying there is some truth to it, but this idea of like stern tiger parents that, do not care at all about the humanity of their children, and I wanted to show people like, no, of course that that's not true. That that's a complicated, you know, complex three dimensional relationship, and 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 putting that out there. I think um, uh, I, I didn't realize quite how meaningful it would be, but 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 sh- you know, sharing my parents with the world has been just such an added benefit to this whole process.
0: Totally, yeah. And again, took guts. So, yeah, like, I really
1: commend you for that. <laughs> Thank you.
0: We have a couple questions left. This has been so fantastic. Thank you so much oh, for, for coming thank on. Thank you for
1: these amazing questions. And it's always great to talk about this. So, so I just appreciate it so much. Of
0: course. Uh, what's like, this is a tough one. One like key takeaway that you hope our listeners today will, you know, really bring with them about sex education or about like the journey that you went through for a sex explanation.
1: Yeah, I, uh, um, this is something I've thought about a lot. I think. You know, I I think if at the beginning of this film, I would have identified as 100% sex positive, I, I would have leaned into that identity of being sex positive. But I think through this process, I've really learned that a more helpful framing is being sex neutral. That sex positivity, especially when it's around cheerleading, you know, I think I, I would have, if I would have come across uh, a gay man who says like, I don't enjoy anal sex, I would have been like, that's because you're repressed and haven't dealt with the trauma of being in a sure. sex negative culture. <laughs> like you have, of course, you love to bottom. Like of course, you know, <laughs> go to like,
0: therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: like, 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 like you're you're missing out. But but I realize now that I'm my own. That kind of, it, it's its own sense of shame. I am shaming someone and, and doing the exact thing that I that I think that I'm preventing, right? Um, and I think through this process, has really taught me um, that the skill I need to develop the most is how to listen non-judgmentally and to accept people exactly where they are, even if it is true that they're sexually repressed and that they're, uh, you know, haven't thought through critically all the facets of their sexuality, that that's okay, that's fine, that, that's just where they are. And if there's any hope... That they would come to a place where they feel comfortable asking questions, questioning their sexuality, questioning what it means to be a sexually healthy person. The only hope we have is if we provide those spaces where they can feel safe enough to to inch their way forward and ask those questions. Because it takes I've learned now it takes so much fear. There's so much fear and shame in, in being open, even a little bit about something like like the idea that like with my partner I was still hiding that I masturbated from him like that's nuts you know like uh, he's been inside of me like I, I I can I can tell him when I'm jer- jerking off you know but like that, that it's so it was still so scary you know and I you know to to get to that point um and so I think um just really being clear that like if we have any hope of that happy healthy sexier you know future um that it has to come from us all you know doing the exhausting emotional work of of being a place of listening for people non-judgmentally and knowing your biases, whatever they might be. Um, And and so that's the one message where I I feel like uh, if anyone takes any from the movie, I I hope it's that.
0: Super important. Yeah. And I completely agree. And I think we're moving towards this as well when it comes to body image, right? Same kind of parallel ideas of like there's been a lot of like your body love yourself and just look in the mirror and say that you you're the best and like <laughs> not everyone's at that point and not everyone wants to do that so like right. body neutrality is also a really powerful way to be like my body is one part of my identity and maybe i don't need to pay as much attention to it and mm-hmm. sometimes i feel good about it and sometimes i feel bad and sometimes i don't feel anything <laughs> and, right, like, right that's also
1: healthy and yeah animal. i love that
0: yeah <laughs> um where can people find your film, A Sex Explanation, and follow you and learn more?
1: Yeah, so so if you go to asexplanation.com, uh, starting June sixth. Uh, you can see all the places worldwide where you can buy or rent the film. They'll, in whatever country you are, except for maybe like North Korea and China, uh, you, you will be able to find the film somehow. Um, and so uh, there, there's that. And then and then on on social media, my personal ones are Alexander X. Liu across all platforms. And then uh, the movie ones are at uh, Us um, Explanation, all one word. And all the information there you want to know about how to get in contact with us, how to show this film in schools, all that stuff, that's, that'll all be there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here, Alex. It's been so nice to meet you.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for just a thoughtful question. The time flew by. Uh, this has been a pleasure.
0: What's better than your partner's penis? Two of your partner's penises, of course. Say hello to the amazing, the wonderful, the super fun Clona Willy. Made in Portland, Oregon, ClonaWilly is exactly what you think it is a DIY molding kit that allows anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a high quality, 100% body safe sex toy. Because all parts are art, use promo code SexEd with DB20 for 20% off at clonawilly.com. We talk a lot about sex ed, but when we're shopping for products to support our sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, we head to the experts at Lion's Den. For 50-plus years, Lion's Den has been a leader in adult products. Whether you want to explore a new kink or add a little romance to your evening, Lion's Den has something for all. Each location is brightly lit and staffed with the very best experts in pleasure, passion, and romance, so you can feel comfortable and confident in your purchases. Lion's Den's offering our listeners 15% off your purchase in-store and online using code SEXED with DB. Did you know that American regulators consider sex toys as for novelty use only? This means that the materials are unregulated, yet we put them in the most absorbent places in our bodies. 25 years ago, Fun Factory was born with one mission, to provide body-safe German-made toys for a level of safety you can't get anyplace else. I personally love that these toys are not only safe, but also ethically made and award-winning. It's the kind of luxury our bits deserve. Use discount code SEXED with DB for 15% off Fun Factory toys. What does self-love mean to you? To me, self-love is recognizing my needs and desires and making time to experience pleasure. That's what Satisfiers is all about. Satisfiers is committed to helping everyone unlock their full sexual potential, eliminating shame and demonstrating all the health benefits associated with sexual pleasure. The Satisfier Connect app pairs with their amazing toys so you can discover your personal pleasure preferences in real time. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 30% off at us.satisfier.com. Our creator, host, EP, and sound engineer is me, Danielle Bezalel, a.k.a. DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds, and our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at Sex with DB. See you next time.